Hey everybody, welcome to Mountain Deer Podcast. My name is Rodney Elmer. I'm in the shop today with my son Taylor. We wanted to discuss uh, anti-hunting some and like hunting's future also and how things, how we see things may play out. And uh, it's going to be, things have, things have changed in the recent, recent past of, you know, five to ten years probably in 10 years or the last 10 years or so hunting's had a, had some big changes come to it. And, uh, I would expect a few more and we want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about like fish and wildlife's role and anti hunting's role in things. Um, anti trapping, anti hounding, some of the, some of the new cultural shifts that things have been taking place. And it's, I think wildlife in the past has been through a couple of different cultural shifts, right? The first one was get all you can get because we're a caveman, right? You know, you just, you want to go out there and get your resources, um, and get, get the things you need off the land. And, uh, we've been doing it for millions of years. Yep. And then as of lately, like the last 200 years, we really got into some tools and now the ability to go out and get those things has really changed the face of the world. It's changed man's relationship with nature. There's been a lot going on. Yep. It's been pretty serious. And now that things, we, we have the tools, maybe our insides aren't keeping up with the efficiency of our tools, right? And you have to be somewhat careful about how you go about it because... Obviously, now the world is way more global now than it used to be. It's more of a one, and and even people's mentality has moved in that direction. Um, and things have changed, and and the ability to be able to push a button and blow the world up, or to um, just rake in an entire mountain and sift through the entire thing and get every little bit of gold out of it, right? Our abilities as as human beings and as a species and what we can do to the world or what we can do to save the world right we can we can do both um it that's changed tremendously and along with that has come some some heart about maybe the way we should go about it and of course i think that's the main argument with most of most of when it comes to like hunting and trapping and and hounding will be how we ought to go about it you know, and whether or not we should go about it at times. We may also be questioning where where to go next, you know. And, and of course, one of the big cultural shifts was as soon as you got those tools and you were really good at killing ducks or really good at um, catching fish, you had that giant ship that could just take in the fish, right? As soon as these things started happening and you started seeing a depletion of, of bison or, you know, things over time changed quite a bit. Um, the Aldo Leopolds of the day back then, right, they were like, hey, we got to be careful here. Look at our abilities and look what we could do to the land. And so the last passenger pigeon hits the ground, right? And now um, a, a more broader, wider perspective is actually needed to be a little more thoughtful, you know, that thoughtful carnivore <laughs> like he says um a fella here in vermont's a really good writer and, and he one of his books was the mindful carnivore right it's it's a really 
it's a look a way of looking at the world and and being mindful about the way you do it and the way you take care of it the way you find and get what you need to get and how you go about it that that day and age came about where there was a shift in a culture and there was a need for uh, some rules, right? You had to have some rules of some kind. So market hunting kind of went out and uh, fish and wildlife agencies came into being. They, they were like, we need a, a reference, you know, a guide of some kind for the people so that they would be able to um, still have their resource, still be able to get to it. It was still, um, a logical idea for everybody to be able to dig clams on the beach, right? So, but if everybody went down there, there wouldn't be any clams on the beach. So over time, a section of law, not only federally, but statewide, was built and, and slowly manicured over the years to become this, what we now have is a, a fairly complicated uh, set of guidelines for the people to be able to get to their wildlife and and partake in it, participate in it, also like co-own it, right? That that was a big thing. They collectively own it, and as of lately, that's kind of under attack. That collective ownership, and and at first, it would make sense that um, the people who really went out and dug clams or uh, chased bears with dogs. Those were the people that, of course, were affected by the rules that you came up with. So state agencies um, spent a lot of time collectively talking to each other and coming up with federal rules that mattered for ducks and waterfowl and things that moved and migrated, right? And and it covered lots of areas. And what Maine did with their goose would affect the Chesapeake where they all spend the winter. So like the states collectively figured out guidelines that would work kind of for everybody. And then, but at the same time, each state is allowed to make its own rules and to come up with its own um, general inside of the federal guidelines way of going about um allowing the people to take some but not too much right to be that 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 gentle hand that gives it to the people but also keeps them from taking it too much of it or overtaking advantage of it and that culture um was a major step for people especially the ones who were out there in the field right you know if you were used to shooting 500 ducks and now you could only shoot 50 you were like well what do i do now you know i used to sell those ducks I sold those fish that I caught, you know, and it was a way of earning a living. And now I won't be able to do that anymore. You know, it, it, it was a really big effect on, on quite a few people, but also too, it wasn't the majority of the people. And over time the the culture shift, the, the government had to work with that too. It had to learn about the culture shift. It had to uh, gently work it all in and figure it all out and also come up with a way of funding it all. So this giant elaborate system of protection, but also, too, of science, right? Because all those sportsmen, all those people were going out there, and there was a need to know exactly how many ducks were out there so that you could come up with good rules. You needed, you needed science and logic, and especially a on-the-ground way to collect knowledge. Right. Data. And, yeah, you needed that, and it was so important to develop a history of it. 
right? The history of Fish and Wildlife Departments or, or the Federal you know, Fish and Wildlife Service, their history of their collection of data is very important because it, they can look back at it and see trends. And this is what would normally be around. And if there was a sudden influx of game or a sudden missing of game, you would know about it right off the bat. And that was the point is to develop a long-term data collection that would allow you to be able to predict well into the future what could happen. You would also notice in as much real time as possible any problems so that you could keep it there for all the people for all time. I right. mean, that, that was a whole point of of having all of this is that it would be there for our children and our grandchildren and for the rest of the world forever. That's what it was supposed to be. I mean, if ever there was an agency that would need to connect the people and the world and nature, it would be, you know, those two branches of government, the federal fish and wildlife service. And then of course, you know, state agencies, the, um, see like Hunter's role in the whole thing, like they turned into a tool of data collection, and information streams for the departments because one of the things that would be extremely difficult would be to fund all of these biologists and researchers to go out and collect data and one of the ways they would have to do it is they would also have to take game because you can't there's some data you can't get while the game's alive right you know like when it comes to chronic wasting disease you can't test an animal without brain matter right yeah right have, and it's going to be and a what, are you, what are you going right. to do go over there and put the deer to sleep get them on a table cut into his head, get a core sample of his brain and all this, like that yeah. would be so expensive to collect data. And at the same, you know, by the same token, you're, you're collecting the data, but you're also allowing the people to engage with their resources, to engage with wildlife, to get food out of it. And the tool of the department for, to do their mission, to carry out, you know, the well-being of nature, to measure habitats, to know how the game is doing, to know how all of the birds fish are doing is by hunters because it's, they actually pay them to do it. Instead of, instead of the department having to hire people to go out and to do these surveys and to, to collect data, it's actually the opposite. It is a stream of income for the department and for the fed, feds, and we pay for it. Mm-hmm. We pay for everything. We basically pay them. You know, like you and I go to Maine. We buy our hunting and fishing licenses. We go out. We shoot a deer. We bring it back. We re- give them all the information about the wild like where we got it the implement we use the date and time the you know other other characteristics and things that they're interested in they put on the reporting forms and you and i paid to do that you couldn't so the find department it cheaper got, right you couldn't you're getting paid yeah. somebody's going out there doing the work that needs to be done collecting that data and they're paying you for it that's yeah, they're that's paying vital. you to work for right. you how yes. else how else would you fund that yeah, you can, you can never do the, it so cheaply and so well. Right, the amount right. of money it would take. So what's going to happen is like if you have a decline, like the the decline in hunting and the decline in hunters and people buying licenses and fishing is a serious problem, not just for the collection of data to know how the animals and the habitats are doing, but also that's how all of this is funded. You know, and and it's Robertson a critical Pittman, time, right. right? It's a critical time to have that support system, we need which, which is out there. This is a critical time to have that support system. And as soon as the interest is lost in that support system, it instantly becomes more expensive. Oh, it would be astronomically expensive. You couldn't, we couldn't afford to keep an eye on the wild things in places anymore. It may also, which is even worse, it's, it's bad enough that it will become super expensive. It's even worse that no one will care. Anti-hunting or you know? anti-trapping, anti 
hounding is is like the straw that will break the camel's back. It could potentially end the world in a lot of different ways. Yes, it it will add to the problems and it will solve none. Because you undermine the only current support system and you you literally are looking to undermine that system and especially in some cases if you take the public's value of it and it it shrinks because they're not actually part of it. They're not actually needing it and they're not actually using it as soon as you stop using something it crumbles right you don't you don't take that car out and drive it around it crumbles right rust out that's right you know it's important that there's a a certain amount of usage to it all the time because now there's some focus on it right and as soon as a focus is off in the bushes you're not going to be paying attention Right, and you won't understand what's going down. If and you stop paying attention to your garden, the weeds will take it right over, and it won't bear any fruit at all. That's right. You'll you'll end up with nothing. Yep. You know, and there's a certain amount of weeding that needs to happen. It would be natural that there would be a certain amount of weeding necessary. Well, all for things it to do well. all things need upkeep. That's right. You know, you have to do an oil change in your car. You have to wash it. You have to vacuum. You have to you have to take care of it. Your house needs maintenance. You know, ourselves, we need to get outside. We got to eat the right foods. We got to move around. We got to use this machine and any system, you know, has the same kind of, has the same kind of basis where hunting, hunting is a thing. You know, this culture and the thing that we do, it's, it's a thing. It's not a, it's a living thing. It's part of, it's part of the underlying foundation of humanity. It's part of this, like, it's part of something that we all are engaging all the time. And well, there was a day important. when you when you had to do it. That's I and think now I think you're I think of, you're onto something. You, you, like there was a day when you had to do it, and then now there's a time when you don't have to. do Well, it. you almost don't have to at all. Yes, for survival point. That's what see, I mean. See, the thing is, like, I think one of the arguments is, well, you don't need to hunt because we have farms and we have all these different things, and it says, well, I have to hunt for the collection of data. Because there's no, like, you can almost, you can almost just combat the entire anti-hunting movement with, if, if hunting is no more, no one will manage these things. Mm -hmm. And if there's no voice, there's no Lorax for the woods, who will stop industry and who will make sure that everybody is treating, you know, the animals and, and forests well. And then you actually have the inverse thing. If you stop hunting in the end, it will actually be worse for you know, it'll be worse for the natural things than it will hurt them. Right. You know, that we need hands on, we need eyes on, and there's no way we can possibly fund it. Not unless all the anti hunters want to just start shoveling money into fish and wildlife rather than pull it out. And, and even then, like with a lack of enthusiasm, who would be your best data collector? Right. If, if you're out there to count geese and or count trucks coming into Vermont right during COVID, right, they're, <laughs> they're sitting on the highway counting all the vehicles, out of state vehicles coming into Vermont. Right. That had to be the most boring, stupidest job ever. Oh, yeah. And truthfully, it, it relieved it. It, it probably revealed a, a useless amount of stupid information that didn't matter. Right. Yes. At, at some point, your data collection, if that crumbles, now your ability to predict the future or to see what's coming and right. to be able to be ready for it because nature is a slow and easy ongoing thing and it takes time sometimes to notice trends. It's yep. so intricately connected and there isn't a single person on this planet that knows it. 
and it will take all of our experience and input, everyone's, to be able to best understand something so complicated. There's no way anybody knows it all, right? This is such a hugely complicated thing, and it's so interconnected with so many other things. You'll need everyone, underline everyone's input to to know best well, exactly their what's going on. At least their engagement. Yes, and when there's no one engaging in it, now no input. Right. You can almost guarantee that. Right. And the things that you don't pay attention to uh, disappear. The things that you don't care about and you don't take time to invest in, they never, they either never get off the ground or they wither. This whole end it all ideal is ridiculous. It, 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 it's so, it doesn't hold up to demonstration. No. And it's fundamentally like principle wise, it, it won't last. And the yeah. reason, and there's a huge reason why the anti-movement will never really take root for any duration of time. And it's a lot of it has to do with the things that we've underlined so far where if if there's no one if there's no stream of money coming in to fish and wildlife departments and to conservation agencies, then there will be no one taking care there won't be any husbandry to the land, there won't be anyone, you know, no one's gonna be taking care of it. Well, the policing too will fall apart. Right. So as soon as no one cares. If there's no funding, so like if you if you had to take the whole system prediction down and shrink it into a matter of a few statements, how do you see this going step by step? Like say hypothetically the anti movement goes and hunting shuts off completely. Let's say we'll we'll ignore fishing for a little while, but let's say all forms of animal harvest, you have uh, prepping, you know, all of that, hounds, hunting, yep. Yep. all of that ends. What's that process going to look like? Well, in the short term, there'll be a boon in populations, uh, an increase in roadkill, uh, an increase in, of course, conflicts. And that's the part you'll hear the most from the sportsmen, right? Which is, that's the very first thing they'll say. Well, the populations right. are going to take off and they're all going to become nuisances or problems. They'll get overpopulated. And then we start getting into the real meat and potatoes, right? The occurrence of disease, parasites, uh, all of that stuff, plus the degradation of the land itself. Yeah, the habitat. Right. So now the garden is so overcrowded that it actually is not building good soil anymore. It's not. It's not doing some of the things it should be, and the the sporadicness of the overall abundance and its fruitfulness will decline drastically. Now, whenever you take something that's so intricately connected, all the different symbiotically all the different things all work together and of course this giant cobweb of life and you start pulling on one little strand and you say well no more this and no more that and if this is missing and if that is missing now because of these things now it affects this this and this right so the whole web itself becomes much weaker and when the web is weak and we are part of that we don't know how it will negatively affect not only us but the rest of all living things, right? Right Now, that may be for the best, and it may not. And most people in general, if you ask them, they're well behind and really see the importance of our current system because it, it is based on keeping it there for all time. Right. We've science. all kind of agreed. It's based on science. Yeah, and logic right? Straight up logic and the most broadest possible perspective, right? One of the beauties of the way the laws are set up now is that it has the most broad, wide reaching perspective that, and, and if you, if you continue to look at it that way, it's a beautiful painting. If you look through your microscope at 
how a hound chases a bear, this one little tiny spot, right? You can't get the whole picture. You're not seeing the entire big picture. And it's very easy in this day and age for us to over-focus on little tiny things where the broadest possible perspective, that's why this anti-ideal doesn't hold up because in demonstration, it does not keep you on the mission statement, which is for all time, for all people, right? You start, that fades away. The general idea of the painting is now fading away in in a quest to understand two flakes of the painting down in the corner, right? And why those two flakes are curled a little, right? Right, why this little part seems to be a smudge on life, even though the broadest possible perspective is being missed. And that's that's where, like, it, it the anti-movement fails to inspire in many ways, and especially in the broadest possible perspective, right? And the whole purpose of especially logic and science is that it demonstrates how things work. It's, it's like our best possible way of knowing how things work. In, in, in general, we tend to dissect things. We pick them apart. We find out what's wrong with it, what we like about it, what we don't like about it. And we often are not, right, you, you can chop things up but you don't really understand all of it if that's all you do is cut it up. If you, you know, you find what's wrong with everything or what's right with everything and you're not seeing how the right and the wrongs create an is that matters. And that's where some of that stuff definitely, like it's even on the spiritual side of stuff, right? Even that, same thing, right? right. You're missing some of the, the very essences of why it is the way it is and its value at, in the biggest possible picture. So you have you have the hunting ends, you have a large boom of yep. populations, and then you have the introduction of habitat, you know, destruction essentially, mm-hmm. where deer over browsing. You have like you can see what the moose have done in a very short amount of time in Maine, where you have yep. a large population and they just wreck the woods. You got browse lines you can you yep. can see forever. There, you have an increase in disease and in you know health issues for the habitats. And, and general waste, right? right? It's an increase in general waste, right? right? There's this huge amount of and waste. And as soon as you introduce those two things, what that also means is now you have um, the decrease in the population. So as soon as you have no food, no habitat, no wintering areas with disease and higher populations for that, now you have collisions with cars and you have more nuisance. That means more animals are getting killed as nuisance. And now all of a sudden the population drops substantially so you have a giant increase all of the foundations that hold that the deer rely on the you know their water and all these food and all this other stuff now also comes down crashing which inevitably brings their population down what's the next thing that happens after that what's the reaction by people would you say there's going to be a probably a little bit of a panic to things at first right of we we need to bring we, we need to bring the buffalo back, right? So let's raise some buffalo, right? We, that's what we saw with the buffalo, right? They, they shot them all, got rid of them all. Like, let's just do them all in. They get down to just a few individuals, you know, a couple, three, four hundred thousand of them or whatever. And they, they nurture those back into existence. And now, of course, there's back to the boom again, right? It, they start raising them and they make more and more, but they learn about them as they go, 
They care about them as they go. And then, of course, even like with the elephants in Africa, at some point the elephants start being too much, and now they're back into the farms. You know, the bison are leaving Yellowstone and going out onto the ranches, and they've got diseases, and brucellosis can get you know, mixed in with the cattle and the, the fellow who's farming and you are back into confrontations. So that means you're back into management and instantly. you're back into management right. again and you're back into killing. And again. now you're into hunting. And like, so the anti kills with death and disease and degrading of the habitat. Yeah. The hounder and the anti hounder are both hounders, right? They, they really are. One is hounding to stop. One is hounding to hound. Right. But they're both just doing some hounding. Right. Right. And they can't let up. Meanwhile, you have fish and wildlife agencies who are taxed like crazy with not only having to do a lot of extra work, but also too, they, they have to now deal with a cultural shift and a change in how their science is done, how their data is collected. And now the science won't be quite as good as it used to be. Right. right. So now the ability to predict and, and be ready for circumstances to look into the future and, and allow you to design it the way you'd want is much more difficult, yep. much, much more difficult. You had, so you and I, uh, recently we went on vacation, we went down South and we were, we rented a place on a beach and yada, yada, right. The typical new Englander vacation. And you know, you and I were sitting there one of the, one of the evenings, everybody had gone to bed and, uh, you were telling me about, you know, you're basically keeping me up to speed on all of the hunting politics and things that were going on in uh, Vermont. Cause as you guys know, I live in Maine. So I, I don't, the only way I know about really what the news is here is I, I get the scoop through dad and I see some stuff online a little bit of independent research, but not much, but you kind of spelled out what will happen. Your prediction you spelled out to me and I found it so profound and I sa- I found it so informative and so like, so shakingly just like, wow, that is exactly what is going to happen. Um, and, and this is how you kind of put it to me and to make from, you know, that made sense to me was there's two scenarios. You know, if, if anti hunting ever takes route, you know, if it ever like gets in, there's, there's two ways that it's going to go down. One is either it'll be a short term thing where hunting comes to an end. You have a boom in population, you have a sudden decrease and now you have wanton kind of waste everywhere and there's death and there's just deer laying everywhere. They're all piles of them in the woods cause they didn't make it through the winter and whatever that will get out. And then everyone will scream about save the deer and we will basically have to kill off a whole bunch of them, manage our woods and manage our lands a little bit different to raise, get them back raise into the population shape. back yep. up into shape. And yep. then we'll have to keep them there and hunting will be back. Right. Right. Or what's going to happen is, there's another way to look at it where hunting comes to an end. So what's going to happen is there's going to be no funding, which means there won't be anyone to work at fish and wildlife, which means there also won't be any game wardens. There'll be no importance to a game law. Right. And and, you know, you have, you have like a state trooper who's going after, you know, rapists, murderers, drug dealers, like the, the typical cop stuff. He doesn't have time to deal with the Turkey, a guy that shot a Turkey with a 22, right? You will be able to get away with that. And no one's going to be able to say anything to you because there won't be anyone to enforce these laws. It's kind of a low viewpoint to ban things, right, in a lot of ways. Um, you can have it as a not suggested 
right? Recommendation. This is probably the way we should go, right? But there's there's an inharmoniousness to banning of all things. Um, I don't care if it's guns or anything, right? At some point, it it's some of this nonstop. We need to make a law for every little thing. Um, is like a patchwork performance, right? It it does not allow for the knowledge of how and why we got to where we are, and it can never make up from extremes, right? Putin invading another country is an extreme, and it may be against the law, but the law didn't stop it, did it? Right? And and it doesn't stop murder. And when you get to the stop sign, right, you can't trust that your fellow citizen is going to stop as you pull through the intersection. You look to make sure he's going to stop because that stop sign law does not completely protect you. It is not. And it'd be great if that were the case, but... In, in extreme situations, it doesn't work. One of the reasons laws do work is that it gets the the majority of the people to practice. A basis of performance. Yes. So to speak. And it keeps things functional. Now, as soon as you start banning things and erasing them, now all good possibilities are lost. Right? And sometimes there's some growth and some good things that should come from that. But you don't want to add to the disorder. Right. And as soon as there's uh, there's like this strife of war, one against the other. Right. It's not normal nature to war. Nature doesn't war. Every little thing minds its own business and it's the best little ant, the best little tree that it can be. Right. And conflicts are individual. Yeah. And 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 it's left at that. And the overall system, everything gets benefited from it eventually. Um, it, it's almost like you're serving your selfishness by telling others what to do. That's, you know, that was, that was something, uh, it lacks faith, you know? Yes. There was a, what was it? You and I were talking about this earlier where it was like when you're screaming your uh, beliefs at somebody. Yeah. And it's like, what are you, what are you expecting to do? Are you expecting to convince somebody? You know, because everybody has their own kind of beliefs about, you know, hunting and about the rules and about ethics and all that. And the last thing you need is a bunch of people just kind of throwing their opinions like in your face, telling you what to do individually. And it's like the real, the real laws and the real kind of like code of conduct that matters is ethical conduct and moral code, you know, and those are the things that are going to stand the test of time because those are things that you need not enforce. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the things you have to do that would make more sense for hunting itself is to inspire a higher and uh, like a next level moral code for people to operate by. Right. And you won't get 100% of the people to do it 100% of the time. But that's where it comes from the right place. You know, when when there's a caribou crossing the river, is that fair game? Right. When you're in a boat and you can just drive up and shoot it, is that fair chase? Right. It's because when you don't have the enforcement and you can't have a game warden behind every bush to protect the people's interest in the resource and in the deer, you have to you have to kind of set a standard of you know ethics in every hunter. And you, the culture itself has to grow and you can't force growth. You can't legislate morality. You can't mandate this kind of evolution for humans ideas of what right and wrong is Mm -hmm. you can't force that because all it is you know you can you can like uh, peer pressure somebody to believe something 
Well, but what they're yeah. going to do is they're going to pretend like that's them. But that's, you're not changing them from the inside. You're forcing them to act a certain way when they're being viewed, right? right? And that's not where it matters. It matters on the inside. It matters when you're in the woods all alone and you follow the law still. Yeah. And you say, no, I'm not going to shoot. If I, you say somebody shoots a doe, walks up, they're not going to leave it. That's, that's the thing. You know, that's what you want to do. You want them to take responsibility for that action and not to just say, well, I'm just going to leave it here because no one's going to know it's me. Right. That well, you're trying to get away from that thing where you don't want the threat of punishment to be the reason why somebody follows a rule. You want it because they believe it's the right thing to do. And that's the, that's where the evolution comes from forcing somebody to, you know, changing the rules of hunting and to say, this is no okay. And this is blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you need to inspire those changes because that's going to be something that lasts and actually benefits them because they choose it. You're not forcing them. If you force someone to do something, you haven't inspired them. They haven't truly changed because on the inside, they're still the same person. They're well, just acting good. They're yeah, just pretending. You're, you're indulging not only your own fears, but theirs, uh-huh. right? See, that's a major problem. That is a major problem because it makes you weak, right? Yep. And the world isn't about weakness. It's about strength, right? Right. The, the, the weak tree dies, right? So it's important that, um, you know, the, it, it, it almost lacks grace. Yes. Right. <laughs> it, it, well, it, it, it lacks vision and it lacks appreciation and perspective. Right. The you know, water, the widest perspective being, right. being, right. being, you know, you're right. The widest perspective. Absolutely. The, the being kind of conscious of the system as a whole and not trying to pick at the individual parts of it. Like right now, Vermont's got, it's the coyote thing. That's mm-hmm. what you guys are going through, yeah, yeah. which is ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Mostly because Completely. it's like, here's, here's a viewpoint. You, you couldn't, it's like going after ants. I mean, <laughs> right. Saying that, saying that coyotes need a season and there shouldn't be an open season on them. Right. Let's say from an animal value viewpoint, it's strange. When you look at the outside and you say, well, all of these other animals have seasons where you leave them alone. Mm-hmm. There's sections of the year where you can hunt them, but the rest of it, you leave them alone. Mm-hmm. And for them to, to go through their natural processes, rear their young, mm-hmm. feed, do all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you, then you have a contrast where you have coyotes that are open season 24-7. You can even get them at night. Because no one cares. Because no one cares. And no for them to cares. say, wow, no one cares. And you say, well, scientifically, not a lot of people go after them. Really. No. Not a lot of people are like coyote hunters by definition, how they would define themselves. Nope. They're not going to say I'm a coyote hunter. Nope. Most people are happenstance coyote hunters, mm-hmm. you know, where an opportunity presented themselves. They never had one good ethical, clean, legal shot. They took it. They harvested it. Bang. It's in the truck. Right mm-hmm. now. That's fine because you don't have a large population going after them all the time. And this animal's ability to adjust to circumstance and to change, you know, how many pups they have in a litter and how they get food and how like, how just incredible, like reliable and how like they're, they're almost invincible, you know, coyote populations. They're just, they're here. They're not going anywhere. Well, not only that, but like when you, you start saying, okay, you can't throw one away. Okay. Well, I'm fine. You know, you, you shoot one. Like a wanton waste thing? Yeah, like a wanton waste thing. Okay, let's take that. Like, we already have laws that are in place right now. What are those laws? And those laws now say that um, when you, when an animal is alive, it belongs to everyone and it belongs to the state. It belongs collectively to the public trust. Right. right? 
when you participate legally, you jump through the right hoops and you take that animal. As soon as it's dead, it is now your property, right? It is, yeah. it is your property. If it's tagged and taken legally and you've well, dot, game, the, you know, you dot the I's, cross the T's and all that, you're allowed to do whatever you want. Now, with there's it. a variance there, right? Big game, you have to tag it and you have to report it. Now, it's the state's deer, even when it's dead, until you put your tag on it, which claims that it's yours, and then you proceed to a check station and you check it in in a timely fashion. Because right? of the data collection Because section of the, the data collection was right. so important, right? And those were critical species, right? They're at the top of things, and they're the ones that have the largest overall effect on the land and the system itself they're These also are, the ones that are sought after the most yes which is why they why they need be managed yeah they're like cornerstones to holding up the entire building of nature right. right and as soon as you start ripping the cornerstones out the walls don't stand long so it was real important that big game be tagged and be you know claimed when you put your tag on it you're claiming it and then when you get to the reporting station and you tag it now it's yours right now, if I am not allowed to waste my own property, <laughs> throw away my own property, right. once you've tagged that deer, if you want to let it sit there and rot, can you? Absolutely. You should be allowed to. You should be allowed to. You could chop it all up and eat it, too. Right? right, you could you could store it. You're in your disposing freezer. of it either way. You could, <laughs> yeah, you could store it in your freezer for ten years and then throw yeah. it away, right? Right. At some point when you start saying, well, this is an animal and I've shot it because it's been a pain. You know, let's say coyotes and coyotes become tons of them. And the coyote comes into your yard and he's going after your chickens and you shoot him. Um, now what? Do I have to skin him and eat him? Right. Would I be breaking the law if I didn't? Mm. right he's That's my property i shot him yep and i can shoot You've, him in collection in protection of my property or to yep. collect him as something i want right and as long but as you say through, i don't want him so yeah. now i don't want that coyote but i'm protecting my property but i can't just throw him away it. right am i breaking the law by protecting my property when i was told i can protect my property and then if say i don't want it Right? The deer is eating my garden, and I don't want it. So I shoot it, and it lays on the side of the garden, and I call up the game warden, and I say, I just shot a deer. I let him know, right? You mm -hmm. shoot a big game animal, you got to let him know. So I, I protected my property, my honey, right, or whatever. I protected my property, and now I don't want it. And I just let it lay there. Is the game warden, now that he hasn't come and taken care of it, is he breaking the law? Right there, there's some serious issues with the way things are. And when you you start telling people what they can and cannot do with their property. Mm. Right. Yep. So you like, buy a chair, you want to bring it home, and burn it. You should be allowed to. This is. A, yeah, this is a giant can of worms, you know, yeah. and at some point you now decide, well, what is wise use of. Right. So I shoot a crow and, and now I just got to keep one feather and I can throw the rest. You know, what is the law really accomplishing and how well will it accomplish its goal and See, how necessary is it to accomplish its goal? This falls under the same issue that all laws have, where yes. all you're doing is stacking the amount of things that law-abiding citizens have to do. 
right? right? Because now you have somebody that shoots a crow and says, well, by law, I have to use this thing, right? So now they have to eat it. It's like more schoolwork. Right? <laughs> but but guess what? Guess who doesn't have to do that? The criminal. Yeah. the guy Criminals never anyway. have to do anything. They nope. never have to follow any laws anyway because uh, they don't follow laws. So it doesn't matter how many you stack up. They're not going to do it. Right. Yep. Guess who's going to have guns if guns are outlawed? Criminals. Guess yep. who has all of the drugs that have been illegal since the get-go? Criminals. How, how is that going? How's the war on drugs going? It's right. not. It's not. Because there's money. There's livelihoods. There's all this stuff tied to it. It's got an economic value. And see, the problem is, you know, just enforcing laws is an issue right now. And the more that you make, the more your law enforcement agency has to know and now the more they have to do, there's more policing yeah. and not a lot of police when it comes to game wardens and, you know, law enforcement officers in general, there's not a lot of game wardens and there's a lot of hunters and protecting, you know, the, the public interest in this resource is huge. It's a huge undertaking, a huge responsibility. And as everybody is, they're understaffed. And as soon as you start increasing the amount of work that they have to do, how are you going to actually enforce all the laws that you're writing? You're merely just scribbling ink on paper that's not going to amount to anything. See, that's a huge problem is you can introduce a million laws, but if you can't enforce them, no one can keep up with them. No one can keep track of them. And now the public has to keep track. Of them. And the only people who are going to are law-abiding citizens who are going to be like, man, this is just too complicated. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Now what? Yep. Now the whole thing goes mm -hmm. and falls over and... If, if hunting and our relationship and all these other things are supposed to evolve, you know, your hunter to hunter relationship, hunter to public relationship and hunter to, you know, the resource, your natural things, your habitats, your creatures, that relationship needs to evolve as well. And if there's no system that's going to take the place of what we have right now, this is a pretty awesome working method. Yeah. Is it not? It's a volunteer almost they pay you they pay to you help you to manage the wildlife yes. <laughs> right we pay we pay to do this we yeah. pay to take care of these animals people are putting in food plots managing their woods they're they're taking time off from work to do this people are spending like hours you know working on the what environment your, what your job yep. what your job pays you per hour Go multiply that by the amount of hours that you spend deer hunting and fishing and all that and like buying gear and researching and trail cameras, the amount of money on fuel, travel. Think about all these small little townships in New England that rely on hunters. All the money. The Don't amount have. of money that we spend is astronomical. We support more than just fish and wildlife. We support gas stations and farmers and different little gun shops and fishing stores. Like we hold up a ton we spend a lot of time and money taking care of these things and if you pull us out of it what's going to happen nothing good oh, and yeah. we're going to have to step back in in like three four years to fix the whole thing and now mm -hmm. it's just a giant mess and then we went through a giant speed bump of a decade you know if hunting ends within a decade it'll be you know 15 to 20 years we'll have it turned around ish or be on the path to do that but that be. but that decade period of all this just BS social stuff happening. None of this is based on science. No. None of the anti-movement is based on science. None of it. There are some things like, well, how come you manage this species and not that? Well, that's a good idea. Maybe we should think about it. Where's the money going? Like, 
there's been a lot of benefit that's come from some of the scrutiny and some of the finger pointing of antis. It's po- it's pointed out a lot of holes in our process, a lot of things, a lot of corruption, a lot of issues inside the Fish and Wildlife Department, a lot of things that hunters are doing. There's, Biases. There's there, yes. right. There's been a lot of that, and that needs to be worked on. And if anything, that's their real benefit that they're going to have is to make this whole process, make all of us more accountable, to make us keep track of things better, mm-hmm. to make sure we're doing it from the highest ethical perspective that we can. But also to, to question things, but right? to end the whole thing as a whole, that's to stop idiotic. the system as a whole idiotic. is ridiculous and also partially impossible oh, because definitely. it will, it will have to come back because last thing anyone wants to see is the interstates lined with dead deer one after another, after another, after another, after another. And when, yeah, when you bears, start, when coyotes, you start getting into car accidents with yeah. moose and bears and stuff and people start dying, it's going to be an issue. As soon as human lives are starting to be costed, guess what? We're going to be back. It's not going anywhere. Hunting is not going anywhere. It can't because we ha- we don't have another system to replace it with. Something has to take it. You can't just pull this out. Even anti-hunting creates carcasses. Yeah, more, more. in fact. Yeah, and more wasted carcasses than what you yep. think you're protecting, right? You see, ultimately, it, it fails to, to demonstrate how no one knows it all. Yep. Whether you, no matter which side of the fence you're on, even if you're the state agency and you're doing your best and you're keeping your eyeball on the horizon and you're steering for it, right? You still don't know it all. And one of the things that hunting fails to do and anti-hunting fails to do, right, is to demonstrate that no one knows it all. That's an important thing that we keep our eyes open to everything that's going on. And we always reevaluate what we're doing why we're doing it yep. and its usefulness not only to the world but to us correct right now if we stuck with that we'd be in a lot better shape right failing to see um that your how your own personal attitude lines up with the world right that's an important step that each one of us has to take and when you you take something like um science or logic, and you just throw that away without consideration, you, you fail to unify, you're not working on nature's behalf, right? Yep. You, anything that, whether it's a law, whether it's an action, whether it's a love or a hate, it has to ask, ask itself, is it good overall for everything, right? It has to be, it has to unify things. And there's, right, state agencies were used to dealing with trappers. They were used to dealing with hunters. They were used to dealing with houndsmen only because they're the only people who ever showed up. They would hold a meeting and ask the public, what do you want, people? And the only people who are interested are the people that are involved in the system anyway, which are the the people who partake in it yeah now enter a party of one i don't like that i don't like that right right it's all you get out of them is i don't like that you get this non-stop criticism about every little thing and often fails to bring anything new in right just kind of like trying to pull something out and not yeah. replace it with anything right right, right. And, and and more more i want the steak dinner but i'm only going to pay for a happy meal kind of thing you can't you can't actually do that and and benefit well right. right and benefit the whole overall and as soon as your your eye is off the big picture 
if you only care about eyelashes and you don't care about eyes, eyes, right? Or the trillions of living things in Lake Champlain, right? Trillions of living things never show up at a water issue and only care about eyelashes. Like at some point, dude, you're not doing your whole job here. Right. right? And then also too, people who like know it all. Ooh. And when you act like a know-it-all all the time, right. oh, that's trouble, right? It's actually it's actually a detriment to you to be the smartest person in the room. <laughs> you don't yes. you don't want to be that guy. No, you, you never don't. want to be the smartest person in the room. One, because you're not gaining at all. Everybody else is making ground except for you. Yeah, it's an insis- insincere and superficial attitude. It's also not even remotely correct because you know you don't know everything. No, you're not as versed as you think you are. You only know the scope of what you've had, you only know things through your filter and we're missing a large piece of it. One of the things I would love to get is I would love to speak to somebody on this topic who is of a different belief system than you and I. Mm-hmm. I'd love to talk to somebody who's of the other side of the movement. You know, I, I find myself more smack dab in the center where hunting needs a facelift, hunting needs to be modernized, hunting mm-hmm. needs to be improved. The hunter himself needs to work more on the hunter than the hunting. You know, like you said before, our efficiency and our ability to hunt and to do the job has increased exponentially trail cameras rifles now it's one thing to hone your skills and get very good but it's another thing there has to be some kind of higher you know movement that a hunter himself can make the motivation the ethics the reason why he does things and you know his interior has to evolve as much as his exterior ability has yeah like you were saying earlier we have to all kind of we have to evolve with our ability to do things too Mm-hmm. Our our minds, our communication, our relationship to nature, all those other things should be focused on as well. And those things are harder to do. Well, it's irresistible urge to tell others what to do, right? Mm-hmm. Both sides suffer from that terribly. Right. You know, and, and there's that, no interior perspective. Boy, oh of, boy. You know, it, it, that lacks love and like true service, not only to nature, but to your fellow man, right? It, it lacks love. Ultimately when, when, to yourself. Yeah. Like yep. at some point you, you got to stop the crusade of a thousand cuts. Yeah. Right. Because is it really serving things no. ultimately? And, and like all this bleeding that's created on both sides is foolish. Right. And it's unnecessary. Well, you, you see the people that are like, like more, they want to continue the way that they've always done with their eyes closed. And that's kind of the other end of the anti-hunting movement because, you know, everything has that kind of extreme. You have the people that just want to shut the whole thing off without supporting it at all. And then you have the other people that are unwilling to kind of acknowledge the issues that not only they have, but also that side of the coin has. Hunting has a lot of problems. It has a lot of areas where it needs improvement. Oh, no, and, no question. And if the, if the, anti-hunting movement is it is valuable at all that's where it's going to come from well sure it should be a chance for us to say wow maybe we are not doing things as good as we could maybe i am not being as evolved as i could maybe maybe the system needs a few tweaks is it a bad system no does it work very well yeah does it need improvement yes absolutely but to turn a blind eye and say no we're doing it right and blah 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 it's like well we might be doing it well but we could do it better and this is a great opportunity for a kind of a collaboration, a team up, a partnership between people who are more skeptical to whether this system has value, you know, but you have, you have an emotional kind of reaction on both sides where they, they don't, they care about the wildlife, but in a different way and they don't see, 
they don't see the implications of it. You know, there's an implication of ending hunting that's worse than hunting. Also, too, like the love and the hate, right? The the over passion for the love or over passion for hating, right? Right? Shoot you, them you, all, kind of like that freaking right, things. Right. Yeah. I don't like hounders, so I'm just going to hound every hounder for the rest of my hounding life. And that, <laughs> right? It, at, at some point, like this yeah. is stupid, right? Yeah. And especially when you've got like a hundred hounders in Vermont, right? We have a hundred people with roughly every year, about a hundred people that, that go out with a houndsman. A hundred. Right? A hundred people. It's like nothing. And, and you're percentage. talking about what 600,000 people's rights, right? Yeah. So at some point, like government is tolerable when it supports the individual and the individual matters, right? The government supports your individual rights to, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of Republic. happiness, right? And it's supposed yep. to be that way. And, um, and the same thing with science. Why attack science if science isn't valuable? And I understand that you should question science. That's how you do science. And, and the measurement of it. That's right. You say because there's there's some yes. biases and sometimes there's some errors. That's what the hunting data and like the rules that we have on bucks and stuff like that is collective data measurement. Mm-hmm. It's not one person going out and measuring it all with the same control and all this other stuff. That's not the case. No. You have biologists going around who can't really age 100% accurately. By looking at teeth, the only way to do that is to take the cookie out of it and to count the rings. And right. the same, like you have discrepancies and you have outliers and you have issues in the measurement of the data. And the only way to get even remotely accurate numbers is if everybody collects it all. And two, you question it, right? Right. That's how you do science. Absolutely. You question science because that's how you do science. It, right. That's normal. Yep. And and I suppose that there's a certain amount of peer review that goes on all the time between fish and wildlife agencies all over the country. They're all oh, yeah. checking on each other. They all come up with systems and ways of doing things. And there's when a, they, lot of, a lot of stuff we if, don't see. If you were a deer biologist and you suddenly discovered some formula that seems to apply all the time and you ask your fellow deer biologists throughout the country, you say, I stumbled on this. What do you think of it? And you give it a try. And they go out, right? They do a peer review and they check themselves. And all of a sudden you've come on to this fantastic thing. Wouldn't, especially when you do deer, right? Eight hours a day, every day, Uh right? At some point you're going to be like, yep, this, this is awesome. Right. And these things are going on all the time and they're, they're collectively able to share things that they would have never been able to do quickly and easily. Right. One of the beauties of social media is that we can all collectively share, especially great ideas, and they can flash quickly throughout the population. And you can pick up on a lot of things that are really awesome. Mm-hmm. Look at the channel. No how That's many hunters, right. how many trackers have been created just by a couple of videos that we've done? Yeah, it's, it's you know? great. And the other way around, how many people wrote books and took pictures that inspired us to do it? That and, passing of ideas and, and process. The collection of those things and the sharing of ideas at such a high speed should make everyone want to face the future with less apprehension, right? Because you have a better handle on things. More excitement. But it doesn't seem that way because a few extremes and the emotions that go with them now turn into this little argument going on over here. And it's in all of a sudden the logic of the argument is out the window. Right. The reasoning for the arguments out the window. And when everyone is in, stuck in this identity politics crap, which is really what it is. Right. You know, they're, they're trying to pull their insecurities 
whether they're sportsmen, whether they're politicians, whether they're anybody, right? They all try to pool their insecurities and become more by saying, I am a group and I'm with these people. And, oh, what group do you fit into, right? right? And at some point, we have to do away with this crazy identity politics, and there's no way if you made a mistake, we're going to let you out of it. Right. You should, you there's should, no chance you should be allowed of redemption. To, you should be allowed to evolve in more than one way. Yeah. You know, like, I used to be this. I'm not that anymore. I'm, I'm now like this. I now believe this. I've had a, I've had a change of my ideas and my values. Is, why is that not okay? Well, you, you'll be able to just say, this is the way it is, because you won't need to believe. See, most of the time, the believing is connected to the not knowing. Right. You have to believe in things that you don't know. That's right. And that's a huge thing. I believe you're hurting every bobcat in this state, right? <laughs> it's because you don't know that. <laughs> that's because you don't You have know no sure. data. Right. You don't even know how many cats there are. You have no idea. How are you going to measure that? That's right. So at some point, logic has to kick in a little bit. And if you keep indulging in your personal desires in a pursuit of what you know all the time, now you're ignoring what you don't know. And now you're Which in is trouble. Which a lot more. Yes. There's a lot more you don't know. You, Absolutely. That, that's how the future gets screwed up because you're not open to what could happen and what could could become. And you're not interested in the unity of all people, right? Yep. And the forcing uh, only goes so far. The the whole thing is going to boil down to one idea, and that's what does the individual person do? What does the individual hunter do? You know, mm-hmm. in kind of in contrast and in comparison to this giant overall arching thing where you know, you have a lot of people out there are concerned about the future of hunting. They're concerned about the wild animals. They're concerned about fish and wildlife. They're concerned about, you know, the, the future of hunting and the hunter and his role. The hunter is a very important person. Very important, right? She's needed out there. That's right. She's needed. And, you know, what's going to become of the hunter if hunting ends? Well, to put a little bit of ease to the minds of those people hunting will not end it may stop for a short period of time but you will be back oh yeah because it's so vital and there's nothing to replace it yet that hunting's not going anywhere that's right and the thing that an individual hunter can do you know with all of this going on is to go to meetings Mm -hmm. to to share ideas to also be gentle yes with the people that don't know that's right there is this big like hatred for anti-hunters and honestly the perspective is the they should almost be treated like children in a lot of ways where they don't know they're upset they're throwing a fit they got a good reason they're throwing a fit but you know right your kid you you're not going to give them ice cream right because they're going to bed and they're like i want ice cream and this is the way it should be right that's very they believe they should be allowed to have ice cream and Mm -hmm. you, you as the parent go no I'm putting you to bed. That's not what you need. You don't need sugar right now. And this is kind of the way it is. And, you know, you can try to inform them, but allow the passion to kind of come down a little bit. Allow the emotion to come down a little bit and just try to communicate effectively. And everyone's entitled to their opinion and they're not bad people for it. No, not at all. Because somebody believes that animals are valuable and they should not be killed, that is their opinion. They're entitled to it. And it's just as good as somebody who believes that deer should be managed for all time. Mm -hmm. That is exactly the same. Both opinions matter, both people matter, and they don't deserve to be condemned for having a different belief system. Not even remotely. That's not that's the opposite of what the United States was built on. It was built on people being allowed to believe what they want to believe, to be able to practice their own religion, to be able to have freedom of their own choice, to be their own people. That's super important. 
Yeah. That's, that is it. That's the whole thing that we're talking about. And it would probably require. And as hunters, the thing that we need to do is to make sure that our opinions are heard, that we hold fish and wildlife to do their job. We make sure that we still participate in this system. Yeah. Do not be scared out of being who you are. No, we're hunters. Right. We're going to go out there. We're going to do what we do. We're going to have a great time and we're going to show the public that this is a good thing yes. because not only are we on the big stage of the internet, but we're on a larger stage of our role in nature. Our job is to be the Lorax for not only the deer, but the fish, the moose, the birds. That's our job. We are the representatives. We're the ones who are collecting data. That's our role. We report back to fish and wildlife. We are the tool. We are the, the hand that gets this very important job done. And we can't lose sight of that because some people are upset with what we do. Well, That's, that is a massive thing that we need to take more responsibility in. Yeah. The, the ethics um, shows the broad and needed identity, right? Yep. Right? It, it, it shows purpose. It does. Right? And, it's, ethical, it's, and it's also right? when we do that, Everyone will approve. It's a more universal spirit to have. Yep. And if you don't have that, if you're not universal, if you're not inclusive and you're exclusive and you want to stop everyone and everything all the time, right? Mm -hmm. That That's a, a fear and a, a, a wrong, like, anti-growth. Well, it's, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. No, you're not no. being helpful. You're and not helping not yourself. No, it's, it's not. not. And that will fade. See, everything is evolving and everything's becoming and we're on a process here and this is not the way it's going to be forever. No. You know, nature changes, the tide changes, the seasons change and so do we and so does hunting and hunting is going to change, but it's going to change for the better. And logic says it will. It will. It e will. Everybody chill. It's going to be okay. Right? See, logic, we need to be, everyone needs to be a lover of logic, right? Because it creates rhythm. It makes structure. It, it creates self-awareness. It shows you the patterns of Did, how things are. That's super important in nature because nature is so complex that when you understand the patterns and the logic shows the rhythm and the patterns, it's like music, right? Logic is like music. It shows a rhythm and a pattern and it makes it easy to follow. Did right? you, do you remember who was it who came out with this? Like they were putting out like a movie about like hunters and the anti-hunting war and all this. Where was that? Remember that? Hmm. Was it, it wasn't, it was someone out West. It wasn't Drury's, was it? Somebody made this big thing and was like, we're going to, they were like trying to raise money for this film. And oh, they were, oh, there was like a film that they were, was it them? Yeah. Was it Drury's? And I want to say Drury's put it out might, a, it might not have been, I don't know. It wasn't them, but I think they, they put out an advertisement about it. That's right. what I saw. There was going to be this big thing. And all of a sudden it went, and yeah, disappeared. It like ghosted. I don't what know, happened? I, went, I have no idea. You know what? You know why? It's it. because it's not needed. No. This no, is not a war. This is some people throwing a tantrum because they do not understand what is coming down the pipe. They have no idea how this system works because they are not part of it. They do not work in this. Mm -hmm. They're not in here. They're not out in the woods doing what we do. No. They're not spending the money that we are. They don't spend the time learning. They don't work with fish and wildlife. All they do is bother them and hound them. They hound us mm -hmm. and they don't see the big picture. Are we doing things that don't look good sometimes? But that's where the whole improvement thing comes in. But yeah. like this isn't going anywhere. It's not going to happen. This is not a war. This is not, 
you know, is, is there going to be some deer casualties if hunting ends? Yeah. Is there going to be a problem with our habitat? Yeah. But don't worry. We're going to fix it. It's okay. We're still going to be able to do this. It's going to be fine. Hunting's going to be okay. Does it need work? Yes. Should we work on it? Yes. Because we're the only people. We're the only people that can do it. it it's it's, it's amazing be, how like, the two of them. There's no stress that's needed. There's, there's right. the war mentality. We're like the anti-anti hunter. We're like, we're anti-hunters. But we're anti you guys. You know, it's like, what is this? What is this stupid battle? It's like, I'm not going to waste my time on this. No, I'm not wasting no, my time. It's on idiotic. This. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's not needed. And there's no, there's no need for the stress behind it. Well, it creates a lot of dissonance, right? Yeah. On one hand, you know, you need it. And on another hand, you can't wait to end it. Like you can't go both ways. You can't not have your that. cake and eat it too and still have your cake. It's not going to happen. You have to buy another one. That's right. Right. That's, that's not going to go. And, and where's the compass of your reward system? Yep. You know, the hunter has to take a good look at that. And so does the anti. And so does the department. Like, Especially like your fish and wildlife agencies, right? They have to, ha- they have to be the ones who are, can see, better see the future and where the ship should be steered. Number one, you need politics because politically we all own the wildlife collectively. Absolutely. And so we will need everyone's input. And that, of course, comes with everyone's biases, everyone's ideas, everyone's loves, everyone's hates. It all comes with that. But most, but it's made, it's predicated on science though. Now what it isn't is it's not, it is and it isn't predicated on science. Well, yeah, right? you, you also have the, we would like to see bigger, more mature bucks, and that's what the hunters want, so they make a, the APR, and they have all these different things that go with it. So well, you're saying that there's also some social ideas and social values that go along with the management of these animals. Yes. There's also, when it comes to laws, see, you, you, don't, you don't law nature. Mm-mm. A buck doesn't know where he has to live and he doesn't know which doe he has to breed and which leaf he can eat right you you can't you can't legislate and law nature because it will do its thing we would have outlawed um chervil and there would be none in vermont (laughs) we'd have made a no chervil law and all the chervil would have gone home to wherever they came from originally right you can't do that Right. See, law. Boy, that would be nice. (laughs) No knotweed. Right. No knotweed. Go home. (laughs) No zebra mussels. No parking. Right. (laughs) And if that were the case, thank God. Oh yeah. Because then the world would be a closed community, closed gated community with manicured lawns and herbicide sprayed all over the curbing, Mm -hmm. so that one blade of grass doesn't grow up through the crack in the blacktop. Right. Yep. That that's what we would do. We would outlaw grass from growing through blacktop, right? We would outlaw and it would be this sudden sterile place. Controlled. Constantly. Yes. At some point though, you need the logic and the science and you need the policing and the protection. And the emotions of the people that work together. Yes. And it has to be kind of cohesive somewhat. And the, the point of government is to keep the squabbling as low as possible even though we know there will always be some. Now, when it comes to wildlife issues or, or wildlife law, you have it, it usually falls into one of two realms. Sometimes it falls into both. But most of the time, it's either a biological issue, like we don't have enough moose, so we're not going to shoot any. That or would be a biological or a issue. issue. Or a social issue of we're going to hunt 55 because it won't hurt anything. 
and we'd right. like to take some, but we also want to help them not be, not be above like the perfect amount so that we have plenty of cash should, production and should not enough one cap law should one debts. way of making a law supersede another though well should you, should should the social value of, you a, would of a of a small few trump the biological significance it may should that be allowed it actually can be but it, it is but, but it goes against the mission statement of the department though to do that to to end hunting with what we know will occur well, part of that mission statement is the fact that the people get to decide. Like a, a past legislature cannot hold a future legislature at hostage. Right. You Otherwise, should, you have it to won't be, be flexible. Right. You should be allowed to change the laws and rewrite them and do whatever at any yes. given point. And so you have kind of the way the system is so far. How much attention or how much uh, hierarchy science and logic would play above what the people say is not a written amount. It's not like 60% of it is biological and 40% is social, right? right? It, there's not a, like a, a written or understood amount of how much it should apply. And the more the public seems to be uh, divided and loosey-goosey about what they would want, then you'd think that science would play the bigger role. Well, it would be a mediator. And also, too, if it were me deciding things, I would say, well, how much does it go against the original, biggest, broadest possible message that the picture paints, right? Which is all things for all time, right? The, the broadest part of the mission statement of the department, which everyone agrees on, is that wild places and wild things stay around for all people for all time. Because they're so important, though. Because it's so important, and it even needed its own branch of law enforcement. Now, if we attack it with a billion different laws, and that branch of law enforcement, say, gets dissolved and becomes part of the state police, and they're no longer wardens anymore, and now their duties and expectations are changed to other things and you end up landing into that hierarchy of laws where what's more important a turkey or a murder yeah you yeah, have that a issue. speeding ticket or or somebody you know right. shooting a, a partridge out of season nature you know, to social social to social the things to dead right. you know when you get to court how much will it matter there um you right. know the, the hierarchy of the law if it's dissolved in any way and if you really feel importantly about it the last thing you would want to do is to undermine the hierarchy of the law part of it so at some point you may be helping but at some point you may be hurting and you have to understand where it is and logically take it in. Does this really help in the long run? Is it really beneficial? And then also you need to see the effects of it yourself. There's been a few times when I've been privileged enough to be on a hunter safety remedial course where poachers are talking about the things they've done, right? And they're discussing how they broke the law and how things happened. And maybe even sometimes they, they would talk about the reasons that they did it and stuff like this. Their story. Yes. And you hear the, the real story of how it went and why it went. Right. And you, you get to better understand how you would end up at a point where you're breaking a fish and wildlife law, whether it was on purpose, um, whether it was just knowingly, 
or whether it was completely by accident and didn't even know, right? right? There's all Ignorance kinds of, of the law. Or yeah, something. there's all kinds of levels on law breaking, right? It's not only a level of the law that you break in the hierarchy of laws, but there's also like the individual yeah, kind the of circumstance that's behind it and right. what was going on. The law is all intent. That is all right. intent. You know, and at some point you have to say, does it serve us overall? Or is it not serving us overall? Right. And at what point we, may we be losing by having it, right? And to be able to say, well, this really isn't worth the effort. Or to say, well, we got to try really hard so we'll end up breaking and like making it a like a, a negotiation for the price of a car when you're selling it, right? You know, I'll start up at 900 so I can get 500 And then, you know, right? So at some point you have to say, well, how much is this benefiting our grandchildren, you know, and how much do people belong, right? And how much do I understand people's nature? If, if you want to be part of law or part of government, number one, you're going to have to have some money. You're going to have to have some patience. You're going to have to like people, right? You want to get in the people business, you got to like people. You can't be a people hater, right? And if you are, if you're, a person that doesn't really like other people or you've got other people like in a box of some kind and you're, you're running through these identity politics. Oh, you, you wear an orange hat. I'm not even going to talk to you. Right. I know what you, I know what you're into. Oh, right. At some point you may be turning away something that or not understanding or actually knowing about something. And so next thing you know, you, you just want to eradicate it. And it's like, really? Are you sure? Right? At some point, you have, to, you have to really take it all in. And the more you do it, and the more earnestly you do it, the more you find out how useless it is in so many ways. It makes things survive and do well overall, and it's somewhat needed. Right. But at some point, it's, at some points, it's not going to help. And no matter what that law is, that you can't harm an animal, right? It's illegal to harm an animal. But then again, you've been feeding that bear. He's been coming to your bird feeder for months, maybe years. And now he's getting a little too close. The window's open and the screen's right there and his claws come through the screen. And it's like, ooh, he's not staying outside anymore, right? And now, well, I'll take the bird feeder down. So you take it down and you put it indoors. And now it's in the garage, right? And he comes in the garage. And now he's eating inside the garage because he doesn't understand the rules. And I don't want to kill him. I know him well, but he's breaking the rules now, right? I open the garage door and he's standing right there. And the son of a gun pulled the bucket right out of my hands, right? He didn't show me any respect. I thought I was getting respect. I thought he loved me. I've been feeding him all this time and giving it to him, right? And now he's like, screw you. I'm taking that pail right now, right? And he just does it. And then all of a sudden, he's even more bold. And now out comes a shotgun and, and bird shot, right? I don't know how many bears come in this shot. And they've been shot with BBs in their backsides. You know, bird shot from a shotgun. It didn't kill him but it penetrated him and it was everywhere infection. And yeah. And, and now he's living with all that lead in his backside because you thought it was a good idea to see him, to watch him eat the food and, Oh, it's no big deal. And then like, there's a cruelty that will go on 
when no one cares about fish and wildlife laws, right? There's an animal in every single person. It's whether or not they can control their inner animal, whether they can control their inner hate or their inner love and the over love, the over hate, right? You have to be able to control that. And at some point when that poor bear is now gotten to that point where you had to shoot him in the backside because you couldn't actually kill him and you didn't have the heart to, but you were just going to teach him a lesson. And, and, oh, and you brought hours, him in and created him. the problem. And you started place. the whole thing in the yep. first place, right? At some point you have to say, okay, that's enough. Right. Yeah. And moderation, right? Moderation is an important thing. You know, if you chase 70 bears in a fall, you're probably going to have some property issues. You're going to go someplace I mean, that you, somebody you have an won't issue in you. general. Yeah, right? At some point, you're going to say, okay, maybe you ought to slow down just a little bit, right? Right. How many is enough? Yes. And, and you know, you should question everything you do and why you do it. And at some point, boy, oh, boy, you've got to just kind of take it in and, and cr- try and create some meaning to things, you know? And it's nice to be has some deep meaning and things that really matter and stop being chasing this carrot. Oh, I can't wait to get this law so I can get these people to straighten out because they need to straighten out. Like at some point you have to sit just a minute here. You're going to have to chill out on their own. Right. You're going to have to. Because when the the vast majority of people are very good to animals, they do Mm -hmm. care about animals and it does matter. Right. Most That's people do really it right counts. and do a good job they, and have and have good intent and have good hearts. You know, that's that's kind of the thing. It's like you assume that every, that the majority of any individual or any collection is just like doesn't come from a good place. And it does. You know, it may be the wrong method and the wrong direction, but it, the intention is is comes from a good place. It does. It does. Like most of the anti-movement comes from a, a place of appreciation and caring for the animals. And most of the people who are anti-hunters are more anti-people than they are anti-hunters. You know, you have like people who don't like people care more about animals, which is strange. I know. Well, they're safe. An animal doesn't talk back. They don't have judgment. They don't judge you. They don't judge you. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's a large, you know, not being not being real considerate of your fellow man is where a lot of this comes from. And it's something that is going to have to slowly evolve and it's going to have to work. But like as hunters, if we can see down the road and we know how it's going to turn out, we should definitely put in our two cents because if we can avoid the hunting coming to an end, if we can end, if we can kind of like get there before we have to do away with this in order for people to learn how important it is, it's to the benefit of the things that we care about. It's a, it's a benefit of the deer to not end hunting at, at any point until we have a better system or until it evolves in general. It's not good. Right now, it's not time. It's not time to end anything. We should be tweaking and refining these things. As a hunter, our job is to make sure that we are speaking for ourselves. We're speaking from experience. We're speaking for the woods and for the creatures of the forest. That's our job. Our job is to take care of them. And in turn, they feed us and they give us meaning and they give us, you know, that time of year we all look forward to so much. Without the deer, you don't get to go to camp. It's not the same. It's not the same to just watch a cow in a field as it is to see a deer. 
right? There's, yeah. there's this underlying kind of value to hunting that is so important and so fundamental to all of us that, you know, we have an interest in keeping this going and so do the deer. The system needs to continue both economically and, and the value system in general. Nature needs us. It still needs our hand and it's our job to be collaborators with each other, with fish and wildlife and with the wild things and places of the world. That's our job is to work with it. You know, with your expectations of what you think everybody should else should act like, um, along comes the fear, right? Fear in the make when you have tons of expectations and you need to behave this way. You, you should be this way. You should be that way. And that, that's, that's trouble. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that it's, it's merely growing pains. Yes. This whole thing, the whole yes. debate, the whole hunting well, sure. debate, the whole trapping debate, coyotes, all that stuff is mere growing pains of us trying to figure out the best way to be involved with these things. It's conservation, you know? Yeah. You have to filter the truth from, from, you know, your, your indoctrination. Yes. Right. No matter which side you're on. Right. Yeah. We need to make sure that we take a look at ourselves. We take a look at how we're doing things, how we present it to the public, how we present it to fellow hunters and our relationship with everybody, you know, deserves, deserves a magnifying glass every now and then. And this is all just growing pains and somebody needs to make sure that they're looking farther down the road than just at the conflict in general, you know, being, being concerned with the hunter anti hunter conf conflict, I guess you could call it. Being concerned with that itself is not the problem. Right. There's no there's no one really looking off to let people know that the, this is what we should be shooting for together. We need to find a way to work together to bring kind of these two perspectives because they are a part of the public. They do have a stake mm -hmm. in these things. They That's do. Right. They are involved. They do care and their opinions do matter. But there also is some science and there may be some things that everybody is missing and there needs to be you know, we need to kind of take it upon ourselves to be the people that say, Hey, let's, what about this down the road? Let's, let's look a little farther than at the hood. Let's look down to the turn that's coming that if we're too busy fighting over the wheel, we're going to go off the road and it's not going to be a good deal. Yeah. That's, that's kind of our thing. And that, I think we should, that's might be an underlying theme. That might be something that we carry throughout the rest of the year when it comes to the, the content we make, the discussions we have, some of the people that we get on the podcast. A lot of that's going to be on this kind of topic because it's so important. Well, it's fundamental to how this whole system runs. It's if we important. get back to that part of what, where you think things will end up, um, I think that when you, uh, right, there, there's a heritage in nature, right? We, we've been, we're part of it. There's no question. Like life and, and nature is a heritage and we're all kind of living it. Yeah. We belong to it. And as soon as you, you start making government and the idea around government, it's bad, it's this, it's that. Um, you, you see uh, a lot of hunting supporting government for the most part when it comes to fish and wildlife stuff, right? They, for the most part, they do. They do complain about it a lot, and they say they're not efficient or they're not doing it quite right. A lot of people doing criticize. doing it for money, right? Yeah, there's plenty of criticism of it too. But when you make it bad on both sides and you don't speak of any of the good that it's done 
right? You have to give it credit for some of the good it's done. Absolutely. And when you just, you know, thumper, you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. That's kind of what's going on here. It's easy to like make government this terrible thing and I don't want to be part of it or I need to do it myself because you're not good enough to do it. I need to be on Fish and Wildlife Committee. I need to be able to run everything. Well, at some point... Because I know best. Yeah, I know best. And there's none of my friends on there, right? At some point, you have to say, well, if we make government this uh, impossible thing and now no one cares about it, enter company business business right and business has got all this money they have personal rights Mm -hmm. they have all the lawyers in the world and when they decide they're going to dig up your mountain and rip all the oil and gold out of it there's there's nothing you're going to do about it they would be more impossible to handle than government is and already they've handled government in a lot of ways so here we are at this ununified crossroads and we don't have time for nature because we're too busy squabbling over whether or not that crow should be in the bushes or shot at all, right? So at some point, you, you come to these weird places, all these weird, they're weird places. We're, we're going into territory that no one's ever gone into before yeah. with this whole relationship. And it's thing. a cultural shift. Oh, and, yeah. And, like, and this is a new cultural shift, and things... The natural laws that you have to pay attention to, gravity, right? right? You have huh. to pay attention to it. Yep. Cold, right? You have to pay attention to it. Those still apply and will always apply. Man's laws don't always apply. It doesn't always work. Well, they're not laws then. And this is a probabilistic universe. That's right. Yep. And the beauty of the logic and science is that it can point in a probabilistic universe, it can point to the patterns and rhythms that are working or not working. There can be clarity. Yes. If it's if science is done properly, it's actual clarity. That's and the, beyond some emotion. And the most possible best predictor is that. Yep. In a in a place where you can't be certain about anything. You can at least be close. You can come really close. And should you just abandon that? Should you abandon the history and everything that's gone along with it? It wouldn't do not. you any good. No. It would actually make things a little worse. Yes. Or a so lot worse. So at some point you have to say, am I helping or am I hurting? And, and is the contributing to this me getting upset about it? Is, right. How much is that helping? Yeah. Right. Or me being in love with things mm-hmm. too much. Right. And now I'm only focused on this one thing and I'm ignoring tons of Tunnel other vision. things. Or I'm distracting others from their loves and from doing good. And, right? for, and for their rights and freedoms, too. Yeah, to want to do right. their job. You, you got right. all your biologists don't want to do their job anymore. What good is that? Right. Tell me how that is that's, serving. You're, that right. doesn't all serve you're, anything. You're, you're doing a disjustice to, yeah. that's an injustice to all of the things that you say you care about when you pull the support system out. A bunch of compulsive labeling and just after a while you have to just. It's been this. a pretty hefty podcast. It's been pretty long. Oh you know, we really dove into a lot of these things. But let us know what you guys think. We, we you know, we. You know, our opinions aren't the only ones that matter. You know, definitely write into the show. You can send us an email, A-S-K-M-T-N-D-E-R. Even ours don't matter all that much. <laughs> well, no, they do. They're part of the collective. And, and these ideas, we need to share them. We need to communicate to each other. You know, if you know if you found this podcast valuable or interesting or, you know, maybe you have a contrasting idea about, you know, some of the things that we've talked about, share it, talk about it, you know, 
definitely, you know, these things are really important to hunting. And if we, you know, if we care about hunting, we have to share these ideas. We have to talk about it with each other. And, you know, you can send us an email, you can hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, you know, go to some of the comments sections in our YouTube videos. We're going to put this one up on YouTube as well. Um, because this kind of stuff needs to get out. We need to, we need to have more of these actual like intellectual conversations that are a little bit more open and a little less kind of like beating the drum of our own team that we're on. That's yeah. something that needs to happen a little less of because that doesn't advance everybody. That's not good for the deer. It's not good for the turkeys and moose. That's, that's not what's going to help them. What's going to help them is all of us coming to a consensus about the right thing to do by them. And that, that comes as collective conversation and debate. We have to have that. And this is all just growing pains, you know? Absolutely. And, yep. you know, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. You know, we've been thinking about this stuff a lot. We're going to talk about it some more. We're going to get some guests on here. I'd love to get a biologist on here. And maybe uh, we can get some people from Fish and Wildlife Department, a couple of game wardens or something. We'd love to get more perspective because one of the things we don't have is all of the information. We don't have all the information. You and I are basically going off of what we've read, seen, and heard from anyone inside of it, our own personal experience in the woods and stuff that we've kind of developed our own theories and our own ideas. And those need to be kind of, those need to be sharpened against somebody else's intellect in order to know if they're useful or not. You know, our intentions to, are pure. <laughs> they are like you and I are just talking about this and we're, you know, we're all having a conversation here. And, and the idea is that we care about, we care about this a lot. We have a lot of passion about hunting and about being involved with the system and going out we care about the deer we care about the trees that the deer eat we care about these things and you know if we if we do have the value system that we do that we say we do at least we need to do something about it you know and it we don't need to go into the future with anxiety or apprehension about the future of hunting because it's okay hunting is going to continue it just is okay guys it's not going anywhere but it it's time that it gets looked at and it's time that we have this discussion and you know we all have a responsibility as hunters to to do a few things and it's time that we start doing them a little better you know you can see the holes you see places where we've all kind of let down a little bit where we've kind of said yeah it's okay you know because <laughs> there's only so much so much you can do when you're a part-time hunter you know basically in the fall that's about it we have to overcome our imagined differences yep because we're not all that. And we also have to, we have to take a look at ourselves with some actual clarity. And that's kind of what this podcast was about. And, you know, we appreciate all the support you guys have given us. We've been away a long time. We've been, I've, you know, we say this every time we disappear, we've been really busy, but you know, we have stuff going on we're doing some changes. We're working on some stuff for the channel and we have a few cool little things coming. We, you know, try to get into some stuff and get some interesting collaborations out there. We have some stuff coming in the fall. That's going to be fun. Um, there's some people that we've been talking to and some people that we're going to be talking to in the future. And, uh, hopefully we can share some of the stuff that you guys have had going on. Um, we want to do some channel highlights and things like that. So we have some more, we're going to try to do some podcasts this summer, even though we're totally, totally busy. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't put anything out since December. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I feel to do every time I, I look at it, somebody's like, Hey, where'd you guys go? I'm like, damn, I, <laughs> I feel like, I'm it. like, crap. Yeah. You know, there's just so many facets to all of our lives. And that, that does kind of illustrate what it's like to be a modern hunter is it's not 24, seven, 365. So it's hard to keep an eye on these things. You know, it truly is, yeah. you know, I mean, you look at people like us that are in it 24, seven, we got the taxidermy and all this stuff. And we're in hunting all the time, but you know, it's hard to keep your eye on it when you have so many other things going on. Well, that, and I try and put it away at, you know, five o'clock if I can and, and go <laughs> sure. back to being somebody else, be a human for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you guys so much for listening. Dad, 
Always a pleasure. Yep, it's great. Good, good to be home. Good yep. to hear your words of wisdom. They're encouraging. Yep. You're a very encouraging guy. Well, we'll see. I, I think it's our job, all of us, to bear witness to what we know. Yep. And to do it to someone who's listening and would care about what we have to say. Yep. Right? There's no point in putting out the pearls in front of pigs. They're not going to pick it up. Right. right? You know, and, and at some point you, um, you, you do the best you can. And, and even like your dog, right? That's why you love your dog so much because they bear witness to your life. Right. And it's sort of the same thing, right? Yep. I, I go out in those trees and I walk around in those woods and, and just glow. I just love them so much, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I watch the rabbit out the back window of the shop while I'm working on a deer. I see something move out the window and I look and it's a little snowshoe out there and it's a he or she. I have no idea. It's hopping <laughs> around out there, you know, and it's got I, ears <laughs> in, in my mind. It's a female and she's got some little ones here somewhere and she's yep. just running around, you know, and she's just hippity hopping around, just looking around all over the place. And I don't know if something was after I looked to see if something was after, but that didn't seem to be. And, like it's a really wonderful thing to know it's all out there, and that you, we, can, that we, you can. we like knowing that all of you guys are out there and you're you're living your lives and everything's going good and want to stay upbeat about as much as we can. Yeah, and I, I trust all of are. you guys, and I appreciate right. everyone who's out there doing this. Yeah, who's hunting and who's being involved and and who's helped fund the whole process that keeps it up. Because when my little girl grows up, I want her to be able to go out there and wet a line and catch her first bass. And I want her to shoot a deer. And because of the values that come from all of that and the lessons, the life lessons that come from being part of that system are huge. And, you know, we can't, we can't really afford for the whole thing to be undermined because it's more valuable than any other system that we have as people. And, and you can't throw people away either. No. And, and Their I want, nature I want her to be able to share that and to that's teach right. other people. And I want the whole game to keep going because that's where the value is, you know, and, and that's why we do what we do. And that's why we're so involved with it and why we teach people and do this stuff. Cause it's important. And we want you guys to get the same joy and benefit out of it that we have. And, you know, we look forward to the future with uh, excitement and not apprehension. Yeah. Definitely for sure. Nature is a fractal, right? Everywhere you look, it's the same. Yep. It, it's a universe of big and small. It's a universe of big and small within you, and it's a universe of big yep. and small within other people, right? And yep. It's all nature. It's your own nature, other people's natures, and then the nature, nature of the world. It's yep. a fantastic thing. And if you if you appreciate any one of those things, whether it's just yourself or just another person or just the outdoors, right? Just the actual nature. If you can, if you love even one of those, you should be able to love the other two easily. They're synonymous. They are. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. As always, here at the shop, got more coming. <laughs> and hopefully we don't ghost you for another couple, another six months. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, guys. Thank you. Take Appreciate care. it. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>